Father, we just thank you so much this morning that uh, we have your promise that wherever we are gathered together, that you're there in our midst. And we're so grateful, Father, today that you're here with us, that you are our Father, we're your children, and you've come to be with us as we all worship together, to speak to us, to help us, to enlighten us. And Lord, we open our hearts to receive everything that you have to give us in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Melody. If those, uh, if there's anyone here who doesn't know me, I'm Pastor Mike's wife. And we're going to be looking in James chapter 1. So we're going to actually start in verse 2, and we're going to run through this first part and then get to the core of what we're going to talk about today. But what we're going to be looking about is how to be an overcomer. You know, uh, we know that we have promises in the Word that we can overcome, right? And yet, as we walk through life, every single time that's not our experience. Are you there with me? That sometimes it's like, no, I actually got overcome that time. I didn't do the overcoming. (laughs) And I'm not here to promise you that from what I'm sharing with you today, that every experience you ever come across for the rest of your life, you're going to be an overcomer. But you know, one of the things, I heard someone minister this, and I just think it's so wonderful. You know, the very worst thing that can happen to a Christian is that you would die and go be with Jesus, and that's not a bad deal. (laughs) You know, that's worst-case scenario that could ever happen to you in your life is that you would die and go be with Jesus. You know, that's a a great, great, great uh, heritage for us to have with the Lord. So we're not any of us going to do that this week. But sometimes we just need to take a deep breath and say, you know what, a little... You know, sometimes we take failure so hard. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm a no-good Christian. <laughs> I can't believe God for anything. I can't overcome. No, uh-uh. No, you're doing great. But what I like to what I like to do, how many of you have ever maybe done something on a computer by accident? And you're like, oh, that was so cool. I wish I could have, I, I wish I knew what I did. Because I would like to make that accident all the time. <laughs> well, as we walk with the Lord, sometimes we overcome and we get this victory. It's like, what happened? What, what, what happened there? I want to make sure I do that again. And so uh, as we grow in God, as we read his word, as we draw closer to him, we find out more and more the way that God functions, the way he flows, and we get to cooperate with him because he's God and we're not. And so if we cooperate with him <laughs> the way he does things, then we will find that we are more consistently able to walk in this heritage of the kingdom that he's promised to us. So let's crack open James chapter 1 verse 2. These are, Paul likes to say some challenging things and these are one that <laughs> that I always kind of think, Paul, yay for you. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. <clears throat> How many of you feel like you execute that great? You know, sometimes when we encounter a trial or suddenly we find ourselves up against something, it's just like, oh, not again. Oh, man, Lord, I just don't want to deal with this. I just want this nice, nice, easy easy life. And yet, Paul is encouraging us here that we need to look at the end game. That's what we need to look at. 
We look at all these stories in the Bible. We look at the story of Joseph. That is such an awesome story. Joseph ended up saving his family. He preserved a whole area of the world. Such an awesome story. But, you know, we forget that the beginning of that story was that Joseph's brothers sold him as a slave because they didn't like him. (laughs) I'm sure in that moment, Joseph didn't feel like this was going to be an awesome opportunity and, you know, everything was coming together. God's plan was going to be fulfilled. Daniel, we think, oh, it's so awesome to be Daniel. He was thrown into the lion's den and, and here the lions just, I mean, most of us would enjoy the experience of spending a night with peaceful lions, petting them and checking their teeth out and God's protecting us all this time. That's a cool story, but we forget about the fact that actually... Uh, Daniel was pulled from his home when another nation conquered him. He probably saw family members slaughtered, saw everything he loved, left it, left everything he knew in life. Didn't sound like much of an opportunity or a victory right then. But that wasn't the end game. That wasn't the end of the story. And so what Paul's telling us is, Look at the end of this. Look at the opportunity that lies in this. There's going to be a testimony for you if we walk it out, if we walk it out with God, not just throwing our arms up in despair, not just sobbing your eyes out. It's okay if you cry now and then as long as you don't stop there. (laughs) When you're done crying, go somewhere, you know, with God. But sometimes if we don't just despair there's going to be a great, great story for us in the end. When we were in our old building renting for 10 years on Club Manor, they decided they, they rented it out from underneath us to someone else. <laughs> Who would pay more money? <laughs> and they had promised us that they would always give us like 60 days, and they didn't. They gave us like, I think it was 30 or 40 or something like that. And we were in despair. Oh, well, I was in despair. Mike wasn't as much despair as I was. I was like, we got to find us a good hotel room, baby. So, nah, I don't want to go to a hotel room. So, well, we just don't have any options here. Well, we got to find a good school we can go to. That, no, I don't want to go to a school. It's like, well, what other choice do we have? This was God's choice. <laughs> this is what he contended for. He started looking for bills. He's like, well, we don't have money for bills. We, we ended up here. There, what looked like such despair ended up in something that placed us in a better place, gave us a testimony of God's goodness, his greatness. So that's why Paul says he's not just mean. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Don't despair. Just take a deep breath and realize God is going to have something really awesome that comes out of this place that I'm walking through. It goes on to say, verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And yet that's not our topic of today, but it would be unfair to go to our topic without reading the preceding verses, right? So this is where we're going to focus today, verse 5. It says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, how many of y'all can testify with me that you have reached places multitudes of times in your life where it was just like, I have no clue what to do. I have no clue where to go. I I don't, I mean, I would like to do what you say, God, but I actually don't know what that is. (laughs) I don't know what to do. That's called a lack of wisdom. We don't have the wisdom for that moment to know what 
this next step is, where we should go from here. And so the Lord, uh, he had Paul put this in here. He says, if, you, if any of you lacks, lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, I am no Greek scholar, but thank God that there are people who are, right? How many of you are familiar with Rick Renner? Okay, so the rest of you, he's a Greek scholar. So... Um, Let's look at what the Bible says that this word ask means. I don't have this memorized. So this is what I, I researched this with Rick Renner. He said this um, word ask means ateo, which in the Greek, I want you to look at this closely, means to be adamant in requesting and demanding assistance to meet tangible needs. Now, when we come before the Lord, sometimes when we need, need wisdom, um, this is what, when we're asking, this is what our attitude needs to reflect. Sometimes we come to the Lord in despair. Oh, Lord, why me? I need your help. That doesn't look like that. Sometimes we come to the Lord, Lord, why is it always me? I mean, look at Kayla. She never has any problems. I mean, I've known her for a long time, and I've never heard nothing. Everything happens to me. Why does it have to be the washer, the dryer, and the water heater, and everything all in one month? Why, Lord? I mean, does that look like that? No, it's not despair. It's not whining. It's not complaining. Now, let me just tell you that the Lord's shoulders are broad enough to handle all of that for a little bit, okay? He's not all put out with you. He's not going to be like, okay, you can just forget it, Kayla. I heard that whine in your voice. Mm-mm, I'm done. You're going to learn next time not to talk to me. That No. His shoulders are broad. He can handle it. But we need to make sure that we don't stay in those places because if we want what the Scripture promises us, we need to be asking the way God tells us to ask. And so... If we're going to be adamant in requesting, that means a confidence. Why am I confident? Because he's smart <laughs> and he's got all sorts of ideas and he's got all sorts of power and capabilities. That's why I can just come to him. I don't have to whine, cry, anything else. Okay, Lord, I'm going to count it all joy. Now I'm coming before you and I'm going to ask. Now we can ask for little things, because God cares about the little things that concern you. It doesn't have to be something monumental. You don't have to worry that God's too busy to handle what you got. It doesn't matter how small it is. It doesn't matter how large it is. He can handle it. Now, one time, when I graduated from nursing school, I moved to a city where I knew very few people, and I was all by myself. I had been raised in boarding school, never really been alone ever and so I did the logical thing I got a dog and so oh I loved my dog she kept me company she'd sleep in my bed with me and she was there to greet me when I got home and and you know it was just wonderful and one day I heard a knock on my door and it was my neighbor who was a very nice man they were a nice couple and he said Melody we got a problem he said um you know every night when you go to work I worked a lot of night shift he said every night when you go to work the dog barks all night long. And I mean, I just burst into tears. Oh, 
dog because I thought the only there's only one solution. I'm going to have to get rid of my dog. And I love my dog. She keeps me company and everything's great. And he felt a little compassion for me as he was looking at me. He said, you know, Melody, we're both believers, okay? Let's, let's pray about this. Okay. I couldn't pray because I was crying too much. So he did the praying and, and I did the agreeing with him. And we just did this. We just came. He, he was feeling all bold, and so he got me feeling kind of bold. He said, Lord, you know, I can't repeat it word for word. It was over 30 years ago. But he said, you know, something like, Lord, we have a problem. Melody likes her dog, but he keeps up, up, up at night. But you're God, and you can fix it and show us what to do. Okay. Now, this doesn't happen this way all the time. God sometimes gives you a good idea, gives you an instruction, direction, whatever. But I'm here to tell you that the dog never barked at night again, ever. <laughs> never had another complaint because the dog mattered to me and I mattered to God. So it's very logical that the dog mattered to God. And I don't know what he did to keep the dog quiet, but the dog never gave us any more trouble. And then he also cares about big things. We can ask about huge things. I read a testimony um, by a certain minister last month and he was saying that he went to the doctor, and the doctor diagnosed him with prostate cancer and said, we need to go to surgery immediately. We need to start whatever radiation, chemo, whatever they do for that. And he just said, okay, I'm going to go ask the Lord what I should do about this. And so he said he did. He went home, and he asked, like this says. He just went to the Lord. Lord, I, I, I'm asking you, <clears throat> show, me, show me what to do. And the Lord told him to address some things in his diet. Now, when someone tells you your life's on the line, and the Lord tells you just adjust your diet, <laughs> it can make you pause for a minute. What? What? Are you sure? But he just did what the Lord said, went back for follow-up with the doctor, and they couldn't find any trace of cancer. Because God cares about big things. Big things. He's big enough to take care of cancer. And he's big enough to take care of a barking dog and everything that lands in between those two things. There's lots of little things. We just need some practical help, practical wisdom from the Lord, and he gives it to us when we ask. So <clears throat> it said, was there some more to that first part that I left out, or can we move on to the next part? Okay, it expresses the idea that the one asking has a full expectation to receive what has been firmly requested. So there's, there's the idea that I'm expecting something. I'm coming and ask. I'm asking with confidence. And I'm expecting God to either give me like an idea, a thought. He's going to move something like the dog. He's going to do something in response to the need that I'm bringing to him. And then we're going to move on to the next one again. We'll, we'll lean on Rick Renner's knowledge of the Greek. But he says to ask of God. And this is what that means uh, of would be, the two of these together is para, theo, I don't know how to pronounce Greek. And so this is what we, this is what it means when we look at each of them individually. Para means to come alongside of and depicts a very close, side-by-side, -side, intimate position next to someone else. And then the, someone else would be God. So what we see from this, this isn't just like a casual, I have a problem, I'm going to shoot off this prayer right quick. 
Like, Lord, I, this is a really big problem. I really got problems. And I need you just to just give me wisdom and okay. Now I've got things to do. That's not the picture that we're seeing here in these words. We're seeing a picture of us drawing close. We're asking, but we're drawing close to God. You know, Mike and I, we live in the same house, but sometimes we can just sit in the same living room and we're in two different worlds. <laughs> I'm in a book. He's on his computer. And yeah, we're both still in the same house. We're both still married. <laughs> but we are not communing closely together. And that's okay. We, we don't do that 100% of the time all day, every day. But that's not the picture that we see here. Now, when I really want Mike's attention, I, uh, I might go sit right next to him and say, honey, I need to talk. And because he's a man, sometimes he'll do something like this. Okay, I'm listening. <laughs> and that's when I say, that's okay. I'll just wait until you're done. Because, no, I am not pouring out my sweet little heart while he's distracted on the computer. No way. So I wait until he finishes up what he's working on. And then we're talking. We're drawing close. We're side by side. We're not across uh, the living room from each other anymore. But we are drawing close together. We're talking about something. I'm talking. He's talking. We're listening to one another. There is an interactive relationship. There is an expectation that we're going to solve a problem or share a heart or something's going to come from this. But our attention is focused on one another. Now, I'm, I just want everybody to take a deep breath and realize that I am not saying to you that if you don't come to the Lord like this, you're still his child, you are. You're still redeemed, you are. <laughs> you're still born again, you are. But if we want to obtain the things of God, then we need to come together with God the way that he lays it out for us. We need to not t treat the Lord like, I'm just going to shoot off something and I hope you catch my prayer out there somewhere, Lord. And I hope you chuck me an answer. <laughs> and I hope I catch it. <laughs> no, we're sitting down together with God. We're paying attention to him. We're focusing on him. We're listening to him. Every time that you come to the Lord like this, you're not going to be in that place and suddenly know exactly what to do. That's, that's not always the, the scenario that comes out. But you're communing with God. And when you walk away from there, there is an expectation that as you walk, as you walk through your life, you know, the Bible says that our steps are ordered of the Lord, that he's leading us to the right place, he's leading us at the right time, that as we walk through our life, that those answers, we're going to bump right into them. He's going to show us what to do in the moment. I have very rarely in my life, in the moment when I am talking to the Lord about something, immediately knowing what to do. It's happened. But usually, as I go on my way, I'm expecting the Lord to help me. I'm expecting him to give me wisdom. And as I go, it comes. The ideas comes. The connections come. Maybe he just chooses to do a miracle. And this supernatural thing comes. There's all sorts of different ways but we have to just have this expectation that it's going to come. Got to have that closeness, that relationship with the Lord. But when we're close with the Lord, when we're being intimate with him, guess where his light is going to shine? It's going to shine all over you. 
It's going to shine in the places you want it to shine. And sometimes it shines in places you don't want to shine. Because sometimes things are connected that we don't even realize. And when we come to God for wisdom, it's like, Lord, what do I do about this? He's going to show you, but it's not always the way that you think. Now, for almost 10 years, we were unable to have a child. 10 years is a long time. And I want to tell you that for 10 years, I'm confessing scriptures, I'm believing things, I'm making declarations, I'm doing all sorts of things. But after, it must have been somewhere probably into the eighth year, maybe the ninth year, something like that, I hit empty. (laughs) Nobody had any more good ideas for me. (laughs) Nobody else said, oh, Melody, you know, here's a scripture I found. No, I'd heard them all. I knew every scripture. I had them all memorized about fertility. I knew it all. I'm standing in faith. I'm believing God. But, honey, I was, I was at the end of all my good ideas. I was at the end of everything I'd ever been taught. I just I didn't have anything else to bring to the table. And that's a really good place to be. <laughs> because that's when I came to the Lord and I just said something like this. It's like, Lord, I have done everything that I know to do. I have done everything people told me to do. I've done what people told me to do, when even when I thought it wasn't a good idea. <laughs> and I have literally come to the end of anything I know. And if I'm going to have a baby, you're going to have to leave me and show me what to do. And that's the end of that. And um, didn't hear anything in that moment. But it wasn't long after that, all of a sudden, um, one day... A whole series of scriptures came to me, one after another. I'm not real good with references, so I wrote down all the words, and then I looked up, and I found out where they were later. I have a lot of scripture memorized, but I have a little trouble finding them sometimes. And so I looked up all these scriptures that the Lord has given me, and he told me to go over them every day. And I look at them, and I think every single scripture was about the faithfulness of God, how he's faithful to, to his word to perform it, how God doesn't lie. Problem with that? I I I understand that you're awesome and that you're faithful and that you don't. I get all that, but apparently I didn't, or he wouldn't tell me to focus on those scriptures with me. Do you know in that whole list of scriptures there was not a single scripture on fertility? There's lots in the Bible, and there was not a single one in the list. It's like, okay, and so I began to go over those scriptures every day. And as I just walked through my days, there was about three or four other things that the Lord showed me to do. And before I knew it, we were expecting a child. But, you know, in in all those years that I had said, I'm standing, I'm believing, I'm believing God, God's good, all this, it didn't happen until I did this. I came face to face with the Lord. I got close with him. I wasn't telling him how he was going to work his word. (laughs) I went to him and said, you know, i got to... Yeah, yeah, I've got to have you involved. You know, the Lord is looking for an intimate and a personal relationship with us. If he was into formulas and recipes, he would have just given us a book of lists. (laughs) If you need healing, go down this checklist. If you need wisdom, go down this checklist. If you need uh, help with your marriage, go down this checklist. Here is your book of checklists. Just choose the appropriate checklist. But God did not do that. 
He wants an intimate, close relationship with you because he knows everything in you. He knows things about you you don't know about you, and he knows things about you that you didn't know that he knew about you, even though that you knew it about you. And he sees things in you that you thought you had hidden from everybody. Um, years ago, um, I'm not going to go into any details, and it's going to just irritate the tar out of all of you, but I had a serious flaw in my character. And I kept, oh, he's, he's already irritated back there. Robert's like, tell me, what is it, what is it? But no, no. <laughs> but I had a serious flaw in my character, and I kept stumbling in the same area time and time and again. You know, every time I stumble, it's like, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I promise I'll never do that again. Thank you, forgive me. Okay. And so, again, I... I had an issue with this this area of my character, and this time it was it was pretty serious. And so I went to the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm and the Lord said to me, in my heart, you need to make it right. And if you look at the picture of Mike and I sitting on the couch side by side, here we are. It was as though I just got off the couch. It's <laughs> like. No, <laughs> I'm coming to a safe distance over here. I don't want you shining your light on me <laughs> because I'm not doing that. And so, you know, I'm going to Bible school. I'm singing in the choir. I'm reading my Bible every day. I'm praying. I'm doing all this stuff. But, you know, I miss the Lord because from my earliest years, I always knew him. I grew up in a Christian home. And, and then I was at boarding school, had no family there, and so Jesus was the friend who always went with me wherever it was that I went. And so I really missed him after a period of time. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to come sit back on the couch <laughs> near Jesus. Hi, Jesus. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, so, I, I, I'm just going to pour out my heart. And it was like he whispered to me, oh, good to see you. You know you need to make that right. <laughs> No, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, uh-uh, too many implications, too many possibilities there. I'm just going to, yeah, I'll wave at you from across the, you know, across the living room. You know, this went on for a, a period of almost two and a half years. And my husband and I were dating during this season, and I told him about it one day, and he told you, you know, just exactly what I, or me, what I, was my idea in the beginning said, you know, the Lord's forgiven you. Don't, you know, just, that's just the devil. And he's like, okay, I agree. <laughs> that is the devil. <laughs> he is condemning me. And, and <laughs> finally, after two and a half years, going back and forth and missing my closeness with Jesus, uh, one day I just went to Mike. We were married by this time. I said, you know, I have to make it right. That's the only thing that I, I know to do. I have to make it right. And so I did. I did what I needed to do. And this is the interesting thing that came from that. Is do you know the character flaw was healed. Now I just came to Jesus. I just want him to forgive me and we're just going to push this under the rug. But Jesus is like, no, we're going to fix this. I'm going to shine my light on you. 
you're going to deal with this, and then it's going to be behind you, and you're going to walk free of this. I did not want him shining his bright little light in my life, and yet I needed that light to be shone on the inside of me. There were some corrections I need to make so I could be free. I thought I was just going to come to Jesus and say, I'm going to be free. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, you are. And this is how you're going to be free. We need that intimacy with the Lord. We need to listen to him. We need to listen to his voice. We need to obey his voice. And then that wisdom will come to us that we're seeking. Now let's keep on reading there. Um, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it'll be given to him. How many of you have had people give things to you begrudgingly? Maybe with reproach. <laughs> okay, I'm going to bail you out of this, but buddy, you better not do this ever again. This is the last time I'm ever bailing you out. I'm not going to help you again. And Except God doesn't do that to us. God, when we come to him and we're sincerely looking in his face and saying, Lord, I need your wisdom, he's like, oh, yeah, I am ready to give you my wisdom. He gives liberally and he gives without reproach. But let him ask in faith. Remember, we're talking about asking before anyway. It's a confident expectation. God's going to do this. I'm expecting to receive from him. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Now the picture I always get in my mind when, when I look at this scripture is of a little plastic bottle out on the ocean. That plastic bottle is sitting on the top of the water, but it has absolutely no choice in where it's going to go or where it's going to end up. Wherever the wind blows, wherever the wave pushes it, that's where it's going to go. And that is the picture that we see here of what happens when we take doubt after we've already come to the Lord, we've already asked for wisdom, and we allow doubt to come into our mind we lose our capacity to choose the direction that we're going to go, which is to be an overcomer. Now, if we took that same little bottle and we put a little engine on it, a little rudder on it, and the thing that makes it go, then that bottle could have direction. It could go wherever it wanted to in the ocean. But without that, it's just at the mercy of the wind. It's at the mercy of the waves. And so this is why, if you remember the story um, in the Bible of Peter, Jesus was out walking on the water. He didn't do it all the time, but he did it a couple times. He's out walking on the water. And uh, Peter said to him from the boat, he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Jesus said, come. And, G and Peter stepped out of the water, out of the boat, onto the water, and he walked. So he was walking in his faith. But the Bible says that all of a sudden he started looking at the wind and the waves. <laughs> And thought, ooh, I really shouldn't be walking. <laughs> and he began to sink. And these were the words that Jesus spoke to him. He said, why did you doubt? Because what did the doubting do to him? It caused him to sink. Now, when we are looking at this issue of wisdom, 
When God gives us a plan, like he did to me, deal with this issue. Go make right what you did wrong. Go make it right with this individual. <laughs> Go make it right. And then we start um, thinking about it and thinking, well, maybe I could know. I don't think that's God. I don't think that was the voice of God. <laughs> or he tells us to do something, and we're like, no, no, I don't, I don't, no, I, no, I don't think that's the Lord. I don't think that's what the Lord told me to do, or we should do this instead. Or, okay, so the Lord told me to adjust my diet, but, I mean, what if I die? I better go get my treatment from the doctor. I'm not, we have nothing against doctors, but we do believe in being led by the Lord, you know, for the best outcomes in our life. So, when doubt comes in, when we allow doubt to come into our lives, when we entertain it, now doubt's going to come. <laughs> you're not going to have to invite it. There's nothing you're going to have to do. Doubts are going to come. You're going to take your stand. You're going to say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what the Lord told me to do. And then doubts are going uh, to come to you. They just are. Now, um, we have, we had several apple trees. And uh, our very favorite was uh, Fuji apple tree. We all like Fuji apples. They're our favorite apple. And one year, this Fuji apple tree, it started looking odd. And my brother-in-law happened to be visiting, and he knows a lot about trees, and he just looked at that tree, and he said, you know, if I was you, because we had four apple trees, if I was you, I would cut that thing and burn it up as fast as I could. Well, that was our favorite apple tree. Why would we do that? And so we didn't. <laughs> and the next spring, the tree didn't come back. And another one didn't come back. And one was half dead. <laughs> and then we have one that's planted quite a distance from the other apple trees, and it was fine. So we had lost two. So, buddy, I prayed over this one last tree, and it's still a little pitiful looking, but it, it lives. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of like half a tree. In a few years, it'll look like a whole tree again, but right now it looks like a half a tree because it just had big sections that died out of it. And so we're all past that, and um, we went to Africa a couple of years ago. We were gone for a month, and, and when we left, everything's, you know, blooming, looking gorgeous. And uh, while, I don't know how far we've gone, but when we came home, our other one that's a distance from the other trees, it was like every other little branch was just black, withered, and dead on that tree. And I'm like, oh, dear. And so we just kind of watched it. It didn't do like the other trees did. They kind of did a limb here and a limb there, and this was like everywhere. And we didn't really do a lot. We <clears throat> looked at it. And so the next spring, um, we have several fruit trees, and so the nectarines, they blossomed and leafed out. The pears, they blossomed and leafed out. And the other apple blossomed and leafed out, and this tree did nothing. I mean, there are little baby apples on the other apple tree and or the other half of apple tree that was still living. And this tree was just nothing, nothing at all. And one day I was passing that apple tree and I remembered a scripture from Romans chapter 4 and it says that he is the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that be not as though they were. So, I pulled my shoulders back, and I just said to that tree, Life! 
And I went about my business right next to the chicken pen. And so every day, I told Mike, I'm speaking life to this tree. He's like, okay. So <clears throat> every day I go take care of the chickens and go out there. Say, life! But you know what? As I was speaking life to this tree, I was, I was developing a contingency plan. Because, you know, what are you going to do with a dead tree if life doesn't come to it? And so I started having these visions. I've always wanted a trumpet vine and never had anything for it to go on. I started having these visions of, okay, if the tree dies, then I'm going to plant trumpet vines at the bottom, and they're going to cover this tree, and I'm going to have this glorious. And as I'm thinking this, it's like, no, (laughs) life. (laughs) I do want a trumpet vine, but it's not going to grow on you. Life. And I kept having visions of my trumpet vine. And every time that I'd have visions of this trumpet vine, I would have to, as it says in 2 Corinthians uh, 10.5, Jill's going to put the scripture up there, cast down um, imaginations. Here it says arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Sorry, I memorized it a little differently than that. But the point is there that when those thoughts come, when thoughts of doubt come, and they will, just don't let them stay. Cast them down. It's like, no, I am not going to think of that. And then you bring your thoughts into obedience. And so I'd look at that tree and say, life! All the apples are on the other trees. And all of a sudden, one day I went out to that chicken pen, and I saw a leaf. A leaf. Oh, I texted Mike. There's a leaf on the apple tree. So I just kept on. Life! (laughs) Throwing down my imaginations of a trumpet vine. The Lord will give me something else to grow grow my trumpet vine on. And do you know, just here and there and here and there, a leaf, a leaf, a leaf, a leaf. If you all know about apple trees, Blossoms come first, and then leaves come. (laughs) And so I was just happy to see leaves. And that whole tree filled out. It's healthy today. And at the end of the season, there were about a dozen apples on it. It's like I never even saw a blossom. But you know, God knew I loved my apple tree. That's our second favorite apple, the apple-eating tree. It's our prettiest tree. And when we are asking, we have to make sure that we don't doubt. Don't let the doubt stay. They will come. But when they come, cast them down and bring your thoughts obedient to God's word. That's how you're going to have an overcomer's victory at the end. You've got to deal with doubts. Don't ever feel discouraged. Oh, no. A thought of doubt came. All is lost. No. Cast it down and bring every thought captive. So let's just, we'll finish this up here. Verse 7, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now the way that that's worded, it almost sounds like God's mad at you and he's saying, you doubted so I'm not giving to it. But I don't believe that's the Lord's heart. I believe the Lord's heart is this, is that, That's not the way it works. It won't work that way. 
If you're double-minded, you're going to be like Peter. You're going to sink. And what you want is not to sink. You can swim any old day, but today's not the day to swim. You want to walk on this water. So don't doubt. Don't let those doubts rule you. Don't be double-minded because that will cause instability to come to this thing that you're building. If you think about it, if you've ever had, and most of you have had a toddler around, if you've ever tried to build something, you're like, ridiculous thought but to put a puzzle together while this toddler's around you get to find a piece and then you turn looking for another piece and you look and they've taken a chunk over here and you go and you get the chunks back and you bring it back no 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 don't do that oh I found a piece here and you turn and oh they took their favorite little yellow piece over here it's hard to make progress and that's what happens when we're when we entertain doubt is it just as hard to make progress in becoming an overcomer? If you live long enough, you probably can. <laughs> and yet God wants us to overcome. He wants us to be, to be able to see right back there in that second verse, when you encounter a trial, count it all joy. Why? Because there's going to be something awesome that comes at the end of this. Yeah, it's not great fun going through things like that. It's not great fun encountering those things. But the end game is that if we walk with God, if we walk through this thing, if we believe him, if we ask him, if we refuse to doubt, then in the end, you're going to have a story to tell. You might have something physical like we did, our apple tree sitting there that still produces apples that we get to enjoy. There's going to be an end story, and that's why you can count it all joy right there in the beginning. So, Lord, we just thank you so much for your word that as much as we want to overcome, Lord, you want to see us overcome even more. You are our Father, and you love us. And, Lord, we just thank you so much that you are always there for us as we come to draw close to you. You're there. You're never preoccupied. You're never off doing something, but you're there. You're right there. You're there to draw us close. You're there to speak to us. You're there with answers. And so, Father, I just pray that as we walk through our days, that we would not just feel despair when we encounter things that are unpleasant, that aren't really fun, but, Lord, that we would look to you. We would ask you for your wisdom to lead us through those various challenges that we have. And that we would end up with that outcome that you have planned. You've already got it planned. You've got it designed. You've got it provided for us. That there would be an awesome outcome. A story that would encourage other people who are going through discouraging times. And so Lord, help us to look to you. To walk out your word. To not waver. To trust in your goodness. today and maybe maybe you're walking through a challenge maybe you're walking through something and you just think I don't know what to do I don't know what to do in this situation um, let's just pray together right now say dear heavenly father I thank you that you are the one who leads me you're the one who guides me I'm asking you to lead me into that place where I am in green pastures and by still waters. 
and I trust you. In Jesus' name.